Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me, as always, to discuss all things Omloop, all things dusty, all things cycling, is my dear friend Sarah. How are you, Sarah? I'm all right, Dan. I'm all right. It's the cycling season started and we've seen cobbles. We've seen... It didn't rain. Did it, you... didn't... it didn't... No one had frozen eyeballs. Mm, mm. So can we really say the season started? Is it really spring if there are no frozen eyeballs? Oh, but frozen eyeballs on a stick are so recent. <laughs> they're, not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not like a... I'm, I'm, I'm all right you with that. I think to... frozen eyeballs were just extra. You just had to add the on a stick bit. <laughs> I just imagine someone licking a frozen eyeball. What can I say? I'm hello, hello, hello. I'm, we're a little bit giddy that's, because that's it's a really classic. weird porn channel. Disgusting. Um, we are we're excited because it's the classic season, spring classics. People, I mean, it means springs here. Woohoo! If you're Northern Hemispherean like me, um, it's very exciting. And uh, yeah, and cycling. We've got the cycling season, and yeah, we started with the omelet pet noise blat at the weekend. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, Sarah's story riding the hour record. We're going to talk about some stuff what we have seen in the last couple of weeks. Lots of videos, and yeah, and and what's coming up next. Well, oh my goodness! I I feel like we need epic music, you know, like from from like a movie preview trailer thing, you know, just like dun dun dun, or maybe dun, dun, dun. you know the the um two thousand one space odyssey, you know, just boom, just like because this is it's epic. It, what, I, oh, oh, good lord! I, and I, even before the race, which, you know, boy, boy, am I going to have egg on my face if it turns out to be boring. But it can't be. It, it's impossible for Strata Bianchi to be boring. Like, it's, it's unhappening. <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about the rating. That what what did happen? Um, so you know that we've seen the Australian summer season. We've seen races in in Argentina. We've seen races in Qatar. We've seen races in New Zealand. But this was the beginning of the European season. And Omri Petnoisblat is it's on these roads and cobbles that we're going to see over and over again in the classic season, and that makes it special. But just the names, you know, when people say Padastrat, ooh, Mollenberg, oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> I'm not even saying them right, and it's exciting. So, yeah, so Omelette Pet Noisblad, it was 122 kilometres. I think off the top of my head, I'm probably wrong. They had eight climbs and five sets of major cobbles. Um, one apparently has been resurfaced, so people are complaining it wasn't as brutal and death trappy as before. Excellent. Uh, and, yeah, and it's one of those weird races where they kind of have the first, I think it's about the first 40 kilometres or so are kind of flat. And the and then the middle bit is all the climbs. And then the end 30 kilometres is flat. But that's where it's got three of the sections of cobbles in it. So it's quite interesting. And you kind of, I mean, we're watching this on Twitter, of course. And so that's that, that adds, I still think that watching races on Twitter is really exciting just because I picture it and imagine it and what's happening between Twitter updates. Um, it, does, it does create a certain sort of vivid tension, which I simultaneously find thrilling and infuriating. So, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I do, because it, it just gets so tense waiting for the next update to find out what's happened. But given that you know how much can change in a race moment to moment, and particularly as you close in on the final stages, it can just be death waiting to know. 
Yeah, and also wanting to know how, how just wanting to watch it is amazing because, you know, you obviously see people's race reports afterwards, but obviously they're biased a little bit because you no one's going to say, yeah, we were really shit. Mm. Yeah, actually, that's not true. Sometimes racers do say, oh, we're really shit. So it's, um, yeah, it was, it's, yeah, it, it's funny. It's great. It's, it's, yeah, it was a very, very interesting race. And I think it's actually a really good scene setter for what we're going to get in the classics. So we start out with a massive great big bunch riding together and after the first couple of climbs they just drop rider after rider after rider. It's just it is what it is. You just you just drop, don't you? It's it's interesting yeah, how, yeah. That, how, how that, you know, you, you hear about, and, and one of the things about Omloop that's weird is that it has more teams than normal and each team has more riders than normal. Yeah. So mm. last year we were talking about how there's six riders in Omloop. I think it's eight riders per team. And you could tell that because when they, I think they, they're kind of, they're kind of riding, 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 and it gets to the, it gets kind of, it, it, it's just, it's just very interesting because you kind of drop all these riders and then you hear about a front group of oh now there's 18 off and there's like seven bowls dolmens in it so like, yeah that's strong yeah yeah exactly exactly um and it's also i think you know it's one of those things that um it it, it just um what's the right way to say this it shows you how volatile these races can be too because yeah. in every type of race like this, there is always someone who you would have justifiably expected to be right near the front end of the race, who through no particular fault of their own had an unfortunate mechanical or got held up behind someone or, you know, got caught, you know, um, hemmed in by, by someone when the wind changed direction or any number of a, a million other things that just ended their race. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's also particularly particularly interesting because what do you do? You know, because you also end up with like riders with, um, with you know riders with 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 punctures who shouldn't it shouldn't happen to. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or not it shouldn't happen to. But you're, oh, you poor 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 thing. So they're. Um, they're 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 racing they're, they're they're racing along and it's um and they get basically they have the first two climbs down and then after the cut to trio it's fifty and then you get to the halfway point the Paterberg where fourteen riders escaped and that group of fourteen had Amy Peters who won last year Tiff Cromwell who won the year before and Emma Johansson who won twice before and five from Bowles oh my god oh my god it's just it's just amazing and then from what I can tell over the next climbs you end up with like a constantly changing group things happening every climb people people getting away people coming back and it's like and it's and it's like you know that it's just like this is a really really interesting um uh a uh, thing you know th- you know th- thing to do because it's it's yeah. like you know you end up with that, that that amazing situation, that amazing scenario where you just don't know what's happening, but also riders don't know what's happening. Yeah, and you can yeah. get back, and you. Uh, there was a well, really brilliant roadside video of of Elisa Longo Borghini chasing back, and all it is is her riding really hard. Yeah, yeah, but but it's absolutely like, and I think particularly these early spring races too, because even the experienced riders are getting back into it. The spring classics are such a singular type of racing. They're intense, they're hard, they're cold, they're windy, they're quite often wet, they're on incredibly challenging courses with cobbles and, and whatnot, um, that, that even experienced riders are, are just getting back 
into the swing of things. But then you've also got all the new entrants to the peloton who it's it's just like the hardest, you know, welcome to fucking racing kind of experience you can have, you know. <laughs> it, it's just, it's unforgiving. And and so you absolutely have these these crazy splits and then huge efforts to get back and, and all sorts of heroics and, and tragedies going on. It's it's almost as if it was a beautiful and amazing, captivating sport. <laughs> but also, not everyone's in bang up top form yet, mm. because we're a couple of we're, we're what two weeks away from Drenthe, the first of the World Cups. Yeah, and obviously, some riders have definitely got their eye on the Flanders. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why they would want to target one of the most prestigious races of them all. Of all time, yeah. <laughs> so that's so that's the other interesting thing about this early season stuff is you know you've still got the riders who are who are not quite on peak condition. So anyway, so they get to the halfway point, Paterberg, and from Paterberg it's like you know groups mingling and changing. Oh, um, our friend Jens has said that he may start a drinking game where either of us say Dutch style racing. What, what happens if we say Dutch style racing? I don't know. I think if we say Dutch style racing, Jens has to have a drink. Oh, so Jens has to take a shot every time we say Dutch style racing. Yeah, if we say Dutch style racing, that's what has to happen. Okay. But how many shots would it take when we say Dutch style racing to make Jens die, basically? Of uh, Jens is Swedish. But I'm True. Sure say, but, but I really like Dutch style racing, so this well, is a really difficult problem. We should probably say with. Dutch style racing a lot. And, but we should probably tell people on Twitter who Jens is so that they can mention Dutch style racing to him there as well. Yeah, Jens on Twitter is Jenser, which is um, J-E-N-S-C-E-R. Go and say hi to him. If you ever want to buy a knife or some really quality piece of Swedish kitchenware or know how to gut an animal, that's who you go to. Or to talk about Dutch style racing because he does yes. love the Dutch style racing. Anyway, 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 the reason we say Dutch style racing, so they're all together, this big front group, um, and they get to, and they've just gone after the last climb, the Mollenberg, 30k to go, splits, blah, 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 cobbles, and then two riders escape. And the reason we're going to say Dutch style racing a lot is because those two riders are Ellen van Dyke and Anna van der Breggen. And of course, <gasps> if anyone's going to do Dutch style racing, it would be a couple of Dutchies. So. Oh my God, Ellen van Dyke and Anna van der Breggen. Um, what do we know about these riders? Anna van der Breggen is a, she's in Rabo bank and she's is it's such an interesting setup in rabo bank because obviously she basically they basically do that that rabo style racing where lots of you attack and um and try and win uh, last year their classic season mm, it wasn't that successful i mean anna got onto anna was second in the ronda andrenta world cup which was her best world cup placing yet mm. but they basically spent the entire classic season attacking like crazy women and giving yeah. it a go on every race and really really trying and, and animating and, a lot of the races like they really lit the races up i mean hell we spent you know most of the spring classics last year talking about how dynamic they were in the races yeah 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 and yet not and they and and their plan what well their plan was that they wanted to prove that they could win that mariana Voss because rabobanks every year a stated a very very obviously stated goal is we want every rider on the team to come away with a win that's their goal and mariana Voss, one of the things she always says that one of the things that keeps her um keeps her motivated is is riding with is is, is racing for her team for and with her teammates as well as you know as, as well as for herself but last year they basically were like running out of time running out of time running out of time and then lucinda brand just at the last you know the last race before Voss came back won the Energy Walk Tour, the first European stage race of the year, which is wonderful. It's Dutch star racing. Um, yeah. And, um, and then 
Pauline Frampervaux won Flesh Will On. So, you know, actually, if you're going to come out of an un, a, a classic season that you're not too happy with, but it includes winning Flesh Will On, you know, that's, that's Rabobank. That's, that's their disappointing season, man. Wow. <laughs> so, so utterly depressing. So. <laughs> but yeah, so Anna, Anna, um, Anna's a really strong rider. She's um, been racing for, uh, for her teammates and for herself, attacking. But she hasn't really got that many big wins, but everyone's just waiting for it. And one of the places people were waiting for it was last year's Road World Champs. But Anna had, was involved in this really huge pileup in the team time trial that resulted in her breaking her pelvis and her ilium do i say is ilium right i don't know um anyway she broke her pelvis and yeah it's it's really it was it was really gutting because the year before last she'd been so good working for Voss and and yeah, yeah and anna yeah. fans were like thinking maybe she and could win the worlds just to be clear for any new uh fans who who may have just you know, started listening this year. A uh, broken pelvis is not part of Dutch style racing. It's just no, not, no. It's, it's it, it should be banned. Mm. There should be UCI law against breaking one's pelvis. Mm. Anyway, so Anna van der Breggen, that's her. Ellen van Dyke. Oh my goodness, she's so strong. She's wonderful. She um is was the uh, she lost her ITT stripes last year because she was ITT champion in two thousand and thirteen. Um, last year she won. Uh, they bulls basically crushed crushed the classic season last year uh, between Ellen van Dyke and Lizzie Armitstead they were just incredibly good really strong and Ellen won Flanders and how did she win Flanders she won Flanders by attacking with roughly I think 30k to go <laughs> <laughs> the difference was that um last that in Flanders um she uh, she she rode solo and she also went over some hills and some of her teammates were like oh god what the oh, some of her rivals were, oh god what did we do we thought we we didn't think she could get over those climbs damn it to hell but she was also suffered because Lizzie Armistead who won tons last year including the World Cup was basically sitting behind them sniggering <laughs> and I say uh, sniggering please, please in the no, best possible meta, way that's metaphorical sniggering <laughs> No, I imagine Lizzie was riding with a great big grin because, you know, that is the perfect scenario. So out of those two, well, Anna van der Breggen is a much better climber than Ellen. Um, Anna was really, really strong in the mountains of the Giro. We don't often get to see um, mountain races and real proper mountain races in women's cycling. And Dutch star racing doesn't include mountains. Mm. So, um, yeah, so, but, but that's not particularly helpful when you're on the flat. Um, I believe Anna was a European on the 23 time trial, trial champ in her time. Oh, really? Or a junior, junior European time trial champ in her time. And obviously, Ellen has this super big thing. And we're sitting there on Twitter going, oh, my God, who would win out of those two? And I said, I think Anna has the better sprint. I was, no, no, Sarah, you're wrong. Ellen's because Ellen. But the thing about Ellen, Ellen had started the season out in Qatar. Her season had started in Qatar, where she won stage two in the most beautiful Ellen Van Dyke style racing. Oh, my God. Like, just. I, we said it at the time in our podcast, Valkyrie. Um, they're not Valkyrie, Berserker Warrior, you know, rah, stompy, you know, looking pain face, grin of pain as she just, uh, you know, just, just basically piled on the power, power, man, power. Yes. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, and she ended up third overall in Qatar with Lizzie Armstead winning. So, yeah, so hurrah for Ellen. She'd started, she'd obviously do, doing well. Mm. So those two together... 
I just want to know how they rode it. I want to know how they rode it. The bowls, I think some reports said, oh, yeah, Ellen took Anna to the line. But I don't believe it's that easy. You know, I don't believe, I, and no. I don't believe that Ellen, and I don't believe that Ellen would have done that either. So, you know, this idea that she, um, that Anna sat on, because Anna apparently tried to attack on the Padestrats, one of the, you know, the, the major bit of cobbles at the end. But Ellen was like, uh-uh, you're not attacking on the Padestrats. <sighs> and, yeah, and so they come down, end up in a sprint. And I want to see that sprint so much, Dan. Yes, yes. Well, uh, don't we all? Um, uh, unfortunately, that doesn't appear to be something that will happen anytime soon. And I want to congratulate you because this is probably the first time we've done this in coming up to three years where you haven't given away the answer at the end. Who won? I've been very careful. Um, you know, is part of my ongoing commitment to developing Dutch-style race commentary um, <laughs> to, to not give away the, uh, the end. So, yeah. So, so who won, Dan? Ah, well, okay. So in in the sprint, um, the well, I guess arguably the unlikely winner, Anna van der Pregen, got across the line first. So, um, as part of why I actually so desperately want to see the sprint because I want to see how that unfolded. Yeah, there's little clips, and we'll put the clips on our blog, prowomenscycling.com. And the little clips do have funny, you know, kind of um, funny things, you know, like, 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 you know, you can see the, you can see bits of the racing, you can see who's Emma Johansson on those hills. Oh my God. It looks like from the photos, and I could be wrong, that Emma Johansson was at the front on every hill, which is, is exactly where you expect her to be, to be honest. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's still, it's still nice. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's it's going to be interesting to to see how things progress. I mean, speaking um, of of video, though, not only do I want to see the the sprint for first and second, I really want to see the bunch kick for third and and the rest of the the top ten because there were yeah. some really interesting results in there. <laughs> There were, weren't there? No, so um, Lizzie Armitstead won, uh, well, it's a bunch of about 18, yeah? So behind Anna and, well, Anna and Ellen are racing, racing, racing at the front, there's this group behind them. And the group behind them, I think, it has something like either seven or nine riders from, from both, from Rabobank and Bowles, which is a little bit problematic when you're, even if, you know, if you've got seven out of 18, that's problematic. It's like, oh dear. Yeah. Um, and I think it was more or less, I think they basically, it was just basically Bowles and Rabo swarming and everyone else just going, oh God. <laughs> so although the um, chase, the, the, the actual gap between Anna and Ellen didn't get above, I think it was one minute 15. And it ended up as a 14-second gap. But, you know, you're like, yeah, that's that's like, part of that's because you're just like, it must be so, we say this all the time, it must be so demoralising when you're sitting, when you're racing, trying to catch people, and you know that you've just basically got, like, this giant pack of bowlers yeah. on your tail going, ah, ha, 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 yes, take us to the line, my <laughs> well, friend. You imagine, you imagine at some point along there, the teams develop, you know, their thank you song. <laughs> and it's just something along the lines of fucking thank you for dragging us to the line or you yeah, know, yeah, a yeah. better song than that. But I was, I was miming, you know, swinging a big stein of beer at the same time. So that's how all my yeah. songs happen with a big, big glass of beer. Yeah. yeah. So Lizzie Armitstead came third. Another bowls rider, Chantal Blackforth, Tiffany Cromwell from Velocio Swaram in fifth, Elena Ciccini in Filotto Bellasol Ladies in sixth. I'm really excited about Ciccini this year. Amy Peters seventh, Christine Marjorie's another bowls mm. in eighth. 
uh, Trixie Warwick of Velocio in nine and Roxana Knaisman of Rabo in ten with some other interesting people, uh, Ashley Molman Passio, 11th. Now, Ash, South African rider, this is her first ride for Bigler, Bigler yeah. um, who's, you know, the, the newest super team. I mean, they're not, they're not really a new team. They're a resurgently great team. They used to be at the top of, their, of, the, of the game, then the team kind of went down to national level, and now they're back. Oh, my goodness, how they're back. But a big shout-out to Ash, because Ash always thought that she hated the cobbles yeah. until she rode them last year. And I think it was at Omloop last year that she decided, this is brilliant! Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, being African, I think I think she does share that sort of love of just brutal punishing, punishing things. So, mm. yeah, yeah. What, the riding in the Yeah, riding. yeah, yeah. Exactly. I thought you were making some comments about South African politics. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God, no. I'm nowhere near sophisticated for jokes like that. <laughs> so that's um, that's that's four bowlers in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Well, four bowlers in the top eight. Um, the reason I say Elena Ciaccini is because she's Italian and traditionally Italians aren't supposed to like the cobbles. But we had Elena Ciaccini in sixth and... Elisa Longo Borghini um, finished at 17th, 27 seconds back, but she was racing for Chloe Hosking because, you know, flat surface, Chloe's yep. a sprinter, we came to 12. And yeah, so Italians aren't meant to like the cobbles, but Elena Ciccini, I'm just, she's racing for Lotto Bellasol, uh, Lotto Sudal, sorry, this year. Um, she, fate last year, she very, very nearly very nearly won the European under 23 road race, except she put her hands in the air too early. <laughs> little bit awkward when that happens um, so she's got yeah. but no but she's a really cool rider and and she's and i like it i like it that the italians are kind of spread out from just you know a couple of years ago they were only allowed to ride an italian team so this is really nice so yeah um yeah so is it good is it bad for bowls i think it's good i think that's good i mean i know that in the men's race when something very similar happens you know to ethics had i think they had like um three people in the top four but only but not the winner Mm. But I don't think it was the same situation at all as, as on the men's side. It wasn't that Bowles gave it away. It was that it was a proper duel. And in this particular duel, Van der Breggen won. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, and, and honestly, it's the right move for Van der Breggen um, to have made when when faced with that situation. I mean, you're sitting in a front group with like four million Bowles riders and yourself. Of course, you try to make a, a break for it. You know, like you, you want to get out of that situation. So, yeah. 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 And I want to say that this is the biggest day race victory for Van der Breggen's career. Um, Van der Breggen, if you don't know, she, she kind of she kind of appeared, not out of nowhere, but what happened was she was very, very good as a junior, but then she decided to go to nursing school. Um, so she wasn't racing full time. And when she kind of started having her results a couple of years back, she was riding with a very, very, very small team, Sengers. Um, and so 2012, she kind of started having these fantastic results when she was still, you know, she's still... Um, studying part-time and working mm. with a very small team and she was basically just appeared you know pretty much out of nowhere out of nowhere and then she wrote for singers the following year and um which was surprising because everyone thought that she'd go for somewhere else but cleverly singers had signed her up on a two-year contract so of course when she became free rabbo lift went yes yes we're having you right now you're coming over here you're racing for us um, so, yeah, so, and she was fourth in, I mean, in 2013, when she was riding for Tessenga, she was fourth in the World Champs Road Race with a spectacular race in support of Mariana Voss. So, um, Van der Breggen, she's, she was born in 1990. That makes her, oh, she's 24 right now. So, you know, watch out for her in the future. She's, yeah, it's great to yep. see her having a result like this and especially coming back from injury. 
So, yeah. Absolutely. And, and still got plenty of time to race. So, yeah. Yeah. And Bowles and Rabo, we should say, are big, big rivals because they are both Dutch. They both enjoy Dutch star racing. And no, they both, they're both Dutch. And they're the biggest, two, two biggest. There are, there are other big Dutch teams, of course, like Liv Planteur. But they're definitely the two biggest Dutch teams. And they've got really strong rivalry. Mm. Um, so, I think if we can see some, if this is the start of the classic season with Bulls v Rabo, but also with other teams like Bigler, like Velocio, that are that are, you know that, that were up there in the results. Yeah, well, I, I think yeah. that's the thing that I'm most encouraged about is yeah, as as you say, Bulls had a, a really strong presence. Rabo obviously um, take the win. Um, but there's a good mix of other teams there. And while there is the, the classic Dutch-style racing showdown between Bowles and Rabo, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for other teams to disrupt those sort of, you know, they'll get distracted paying attention to each other. Um, yeah. And there'll be there'll be a, a real opportunity for teams that practice non-Dutch-style racing to well, make a break and do something different. Well, look, you know, Tiff Cromwell. I mean, you know, fifth in that, fifth in that, fifth in that one. That's not. I mean, it's not. A, it's not the ideally Tiffany race, even though she's won it before. But, but you know, it it could be. And mm. I, I just, it's just going to be. I'm really excited about this. Um, yeah. And obviously, we have this week. We've got the Sun in the Dam on, on the fourth on Thursday, which is. Uh, no, very, I tell you, well, uh, the fourth is Wednesday, so it's actually tomorrow. I thought yesterday was the second. Oh, yesterday I thought I'm an idiot. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> We're summoning the dam tomorrow on Wednesday the 4th. Oh, God. And then on the 7th, um, Saturday the 7th, we've got Strade Bianchi, which we've raved, 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 raved about. Um, and on the 8th, we've got Omloop van Hageland, a.k.a. Tilt, Tilt, Wing, Tilt Winger. Um, I'd say the Salmon and Tilt Winger, they're still really strong, great races, but we might not see the full entire peloton in them. And, the, you know, the race that everyone wants to win is going to be Strade Bianchi and then from the 12th we've got the Drenthe races three really yeah. lovely races in the Drenthe region of Holland of the Netherlands with the first World Cup so yeah interesting interesting um yeah um what else did you like about Omloop Noisblad? Look there were there were a couple of things um Two in particular that I want to mention, one of which I'm sure absolutely a million percent certain that you not only also saw but also loved. Um, and that was that was a, a pair of riders who weren't in the race <laughs> deciding to cheer along their teammates in the most practical way possible. Yeah, um, Wiggle Honda had had their um, big... Uh team camp their big team camp and actually there's videos from every day of their team camp you can see them doing everything from having photo shoots to getting incredibly competitive on go-karting tracks and you know all sorts of other things doing weird challenges and having fun and riding on cobbles and stuff and one of the riders there was Nettie Edmondson who had just literally flown from I think she got a flight at like four in the morning so that she could be at the Australian party after their rather spectacular track world champs destruction um win netty with her two gold medals yeah. um getting across and yeah and then there's also the, the lovely 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 danny king who um overwins her who she oh my god her poor last year she had a terrible terrible last year because she was dropped from british cycling's track program and she's a former olympic gold medalist and a world champion in the team time trial but they dropped her um 
And some might say there's a correlation between um, dropping Danny and coming second in the track world champs. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, when people go, they missed, they missed, the, they, they seem to be missing some real, pow- a real power rider. Oh, well, maybe you don't get rid of her from your program then. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, so, yeah. um, so, so at the end of the week, they and and Wiggle Wiggle Roadside, they were at one point the riders who weren't racing were standing swanning, trying to hand out pancakes. As you do. And then Danny King and Nettie Edmondson were roadside wearing sumo suits. <laughs> also, as you do. Right. <laughs> There's a great photo on Twitter, which we'll obviously put a link to. Um, on on the blog post of them, um, I don't know why, but for some reason it just seems absurdly perfect to me. So I yeah. really I really um, enjoyed that. Yeah, Danny. Oh, I didn't say the other thing that was really awful with Danny. Danny was in a training crash where she ended up puncturing a lung and having massive amounts of, of of hideous accidents. I can't even remember which bone she broke, but it was a lot of them, and she ended up puncturing her lung. And she um, ended up um, like in hospital for like a week. And typical Danny King, Danny, you can always tell her tw- she has this huge smile. And there's a picture of Danny with huge smile, two thumbs up, oxygen mask. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> she had she had like the best hospital selfies you could hope for. Really, it was yeah, ridiculous. Poor Danny. Yeah. And she said that when I think I think when she got picked up, they didn't realise she was hurt that bad, so they got to her last. Yeah. Because other people had got like, yo, they hit their head, they hit yeah, that. Yeah. Danny with her punctured lung, poor Danny. Um, I think Danny's, I hope Danny gets to ride some road races this year because mm-hmm. I'm really, I mean, while I'm gutted that she's out of the track team, I do think she might be quite, I, I, I'm really secretly glad that she gets to focus on the road. So, yeah. And also to be her own self rather than just one of the Team Pursuit Team Squad. You know what I mean? It's, cool. it's yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, so that was fun. I like that. What else did you like? Anything else? Uh, look, there was another one that I really liked. I um, mean, obviously, it's got a little bit of an Aussie slant, so you know, I, I will admit a certain level of bias. But um, um, Ella, the Cycling Tips Women's uh, section. Um, included a really nice blog from Lizzie Williams, um, who, for those who don't know, is a young Australian rider, and this is her first proper season racing in Europe. So she's raced over there with the the Australian national team before, um, but this is her first go at the Spring Classics, and so she's sort of written about her experience and you know how the team had warned her, you got to be ready for the weather and the roads and all of this sort of stuff, and one mistake and you'll be lost and that sort of thing. And um, and it's a nicely honest thing, you know. She came forty third, so not a great result um, in terms of the results themselves. But she highlights the point at which she did make a mistake. She talks about what she wants to do different, how it is to ride the cobbles for the first time, and all that sort of stuff. And I just think it's a really nice insight in, you know, one of the other stories that that takes place in the in the course of a race like this. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I read you a bit? Sure. Actually, you should read it to me because you're Australian and I'm not. But anyway. Well, yes, but you always say my Australian accent doesn't sound real anyway. So. <laughs> well, you know, you're not as high pitched as I expected. Well, yeah, no, you expected a you expect a high pitched Dutch style racing sort of voice. So. Uh, yeah. No, Dutch Dutch style Dutch people don't have high pitched voices. No, but Dutch style racing has high pitch because it's you know so so attacky and aggressive and. No, high, no, no. High, it's all high, no. High, it's it's, high it's all growly. It's, it's, no, it's not high pitched. No, no, no. It's not. It's growly. It's growly and and confirmed and. Ah, Look, we'll just have to argue about like. Dutch style racing some other time. 
Yeah. So do you want to know what it's like to ride the cobbles? It hurts. Your whole body is shuddering as you get jostled around. You really have to calm yourself and try to relax your whole body rather than tensing your arms and shoulders and your back. It's really important to relax and sort of allow your bike to carry you over the cobbles. After a while, it stops hurting and you just go numb. Everything goes numb. <laughs> it's a lot different. It's a lot different training over the cobbles than racing over them. I found that it didn't hurt as much during the race. I was in the zone and I wasn't thinking about my body. I was focused on my lines and my position and what was going on around me. It was almost easier in a way. Yeah, you've got to worry about any sort of sport that that, that hinges on after a while it just go numb. <laughs> <laughs> But how much have you been loving the Cycling Tips Ella coverage? I mean, I, I really, I mean, I've always been a massive big fan of Balant Hambas, who yep. you might know from CyclePhotos.co.uk. If you're a cyclocross fan, you've probably looked at his 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 um his cycling for his cyclocross photos, and he's gone freelance, and he's also got someone to drive a motorbike for him. So this year we had Balant style beautiful photos from within the race. And I like, I always like him because he always has a kind of, you know, photographer's eye. I know that sounds really stupid, but rather than being about, you know, he just has something a little bit different about his photos than the average sports photography. I guess it's the kind of lenses he's using and his, his use of depth of field and stuff like that. So, yeah, so, but they, they, so Cycling Tips have hired him and they showed his gallery basically interspersed with quotes from different riders um, mm, about mm. how they found the racing and stuff and that was really Which is interesting yeah. I mean of course they have an Australian focus of course they have an Aussie focus so they're you know it's basically Oracle riders and Aussie riders are the ones that they're t- the ones they talk to most but that's alright I don't mind I really really enjoy the um, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that style of having you know a gallery with you know gallery with commentary and so yeah um if you haven't seen them go to cyclingtips.com.au and on the main site they've got a women's cycling section ella and you can go in there you can go in there and see their stuff and yeah they, they also when they're out at races they've got a live twitter for live tweeting live tweeting when they're actually at races but mm. yeah um jesse braverman who's the editor and writes and, and main writer she used to be the press officer for um for uh Oric AIS, yep. where she did fantastic work so i'm super excited to see what's happening because you know they've only just started hurrah yeah yeah um, yeah and that's um, it, you oh. know, it, 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 you're absolutely right. It's shaping up to be fantastic coverage, and I'm really impressed and, yeah, very excited about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, other things about the race, Tiffany Cromwell has been doing video diaries for Cycling News, which I really enjoy, and they're kind of a mix of her talking about stuff with videos that she's shot over the preceding month. So she did a pre-Omloop one with... Um, pictures of her riding around Monaco with Lizzie Armistead. I'm not jealous of anyone who lives in Monaco. Oh, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And more video. Um, Nettie Edmondson, had, she did a couple of, of, of like, uh, she's former teammates with Valley Scandalara, and we told you how much we loved Valley Scandalara's video diaries with mm. her little, um, with putting um, captions on the screen. And Nettie has taken the leaf out of her former teammates' book and did a couple of uh, like, of of videos from the track world champs and she put out her bloopers she said, most of the things i shot were bloopers so she put out a bloopers reel because of course <laughs> she did because she's awesome so yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, well i mean and that influence might be quite close too because um because the um uh, valentina stayed with um nettie's family when um when they were in adelaide at the start of the year so um yeah, yeah. Mm. 
And I do know that Valet was cheering Nettie on. And this is one of the things I really liked about the Track World Champs, actually, was just watching how happy riders were for each other. And there's that thing where, you know, of course, every Australian rider is happy for every other Australian rider, especially when they're winning gold. But also the happiness across teams, across nationalities. You know, it does feel like track cycling is a bit of a family, you know, and the same with the women's peloton. It well, keeps me loving the sport. It, it's it's a close knit community, and you're always happy to see someone do well. And yeah, absolutely, I think it's a, a highlight of the sport in general. Yep. And yeah. um, what was the other big event, uh, women's cycling event on Saturday? Oh, on Saturday. Hang on, which Saturday are we talking about? The one um, that just went. It wasn't just. It wasn't just on loop. It was. Ah, the hour with Dame Sarah Story. Yes. Um. The hour. Um, I have to admit, I'm really happy that Dame Sarah Story was the first woman to go after the uh, the women's hour record because when a couple of guys, um, I want to say Matthias Brand, I've so many guys. I'm, I am not a fan of the hour, and I'm really sorry about that. But as a event, I find it uncompelling because it's it's just not my style of racing. And also, well, to, to the other be honest, that- it is it is a little bit boring because it it's literally just an hour of one person racing around and around and around the track. It's yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, and and you know, and if if you're not enough with the commentary, that can be difficult. And um, you know, and it's like, and also because and it, the UCI have changed the rules. Yep, sorry. I say, if, if the, if, because the UCI have changed the rules so many times, what is the hour record? Is a little bit. I can't. I don't even know what the difference between you know what kind of bike you use, what kind of position you use, you know, and then who did the hour and was in the men's side and was busted for drugs, you know. But there was a big splash about this last year when Jens Voigt did the you know decided to attack the hour record. And at the time, there was a load of of dudes saying, "Well, why don't the women do the hour? Why don't the women do the hour? Why don't the women do the hour?" And it was like, "Well, I don't. I'm not comfortable with guys saying women you should do this because you because you because you because it will help the sport." Because on one hand, I'm not entirely sure which part of the sport it will help because the hour doesn't translate to pretty much any other bit of riding. I mean, you know. Um, so if you like the hour, you're not going to really find some stuff that's like that, I guess, except for the individual pursuit, which isn't an hour. Um, mm. uh, and also I kind of find it a little bit problematic that people were kind of implying that all you had to do was rock up and then you'd beat the hour record. And that's pretty hard when the last person to hold the hour record is Leontine Van Morsel, who's famously amazing, you know, like, like, like a superstar who's got Olympic medals and world champion medals in every discipline i think let me just let me just wikipedia let yeah, me tell, please tell do, me wikipedia please do check that. about leontine van morsel um she has um well world championship these are leontine's world championships she only have her major results in wiki and her major results are basically olympic medals and world championships and it's still big but let's see um one let's see track she's got one two three four five five world championships on the track she's won the world championships road race she won the world championship time trial twice she was in 2000 the olympic road champion in road race time trial and the 3k pursuit and she got a silver medal in the points race and in 2004 she was only the world champion in the time trial and a bronze medalist in the you know 3k pursuit so that's not someone who you can think you know i'm just gonna rock up and beat leontine's record yeah 
And a lot of people were saying, and also the other thing is, is that it costs quite a lot of money. Now, Dame Stara's story was lucky because the Derby Velodrome in England hasn't yet opened to the public, but they let her do her training there, yeah, which is mm. amazing, really fantastic. And she worked so hard. If you don't know about Dame Sarah's story, if you think Leontine has got a lot of world championship and Olympic golds, you haven't met Dame Sarah's story because Sarah's story, she's a Paralympic absolute superstar, like completely pushing at the boundaries of Paralympics all the time, both when she was a swimmer, she had to stop swimming because she had an ear infection, because it persistent ear infection, so she went to the bikes, and she's been on the bikes. She's got, I don't know, I want to say 22 um, Olympic medals, of which 11 are gold, but I could be making that up, because it's, huh. oh no, 10 golds, um, 13 silvers, and 8. Oh, that's, that's Paralympic Games and Para World Champs. So, yeah, so 5 golds, 8 silvers, 3 bronzes in Paralympics. So, you know, um, not, not a great record, but, you know. But she also is continually pushing the boundaries of what Paralympic means because I mean, she's in the C5 category, which is the, le- the category where your, least of your, your sport is least affected by your disability, I guess I'm going to put it that way. Uh-huh. Um, so she's, um, she basically, what she, she, has, uh, she, has, she has only a kind of a, a, a withered arm and not a proper hand on one side where, um, where she was born in the womb. Her, the umbilical cord wrapped around her arm and hand and kind of stopped it developing fully. So she hasn't right. got fingers and yeah, and she's yep. got a very withered arm. But she has always been pushing. Um, she, she races on the road in the UK domestic season where she's very good. She was third in the British ITT champs last year. And she when she, in 2008, I think her gold Paralympic 3K pursuit winning time would have got her seventh in the able-bodied. Right, yep, you know, yep. So she's very, very strong. She wanted to get into the Team Pursuit able-bodied squad, but British Cycling, well, I think, my theory is that British Cycling went, we, you're pretty much guaranteed Paralympic golds. No, we're not going to risk that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so well. she's, oh, she's also just come back off maternity leave. Um, she had her daughter Louisa, I want to say the year before last, I could be wrong, and she's also with her husband Barney what run the Pearl Izumi Sports Tour International Madison Brutal Breast Cancer Team. Yes. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, so it was big news in England. She was all over the mainstream media all the time, and it was streamed live on the UCI website. And you can see it where it's now held for if you want to watch it. But spoiler, she didn't make it. Yeah. But, you know, the hour's bloody hard. You know, and... yeah, it was bloody. And I think the thing that's really hard is like she was doing really well at the beginning, and then about halfway through, she started dipping down beyond, you know, below her schedule. And she still like was like pushing on. And Leontine rode forty six point oh six five kilometers in an hour, and Sarah rode forty five point five oh two kilometers in an hour. So yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's um yeah, I I that's 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 a that's a bloody good near miss, really, isn't it? That it really that's... is. It really is. And you know, look for those who are interested in it, it it keeps the story of the hour for women alive and going, doesn't it? You well, know, you know, uh, uh, Sarah can come back for another crack. Um, someone else can come along to to try and challenge it in the meantime. So on and and so forth. It, yeah. 
it's more it's more compelling. I mean, I think there is an issue with the hour with the men's. Oh, look, it's been broken. Oh, look, it's been broken again. Oh, look, it's, I mean, I can't even remember how many people have gone for it or what happened because it's just it's not. I'm never going to sit and watch the hour record because it's. I mean, I did this time because it was the first time because it was streamed live and I was watching it. You know, I had it on mm. in the background while I was watching the. Yeah. You know, I had the commentary. While to, I was watching the men's loop. To, to be perfectly but, honest, I, I went to bed because it was like two in the morning when it started. Yeah, so. I mean, I I really I I, I can understand. Why it's a re- it is an easy story to tell, isn't it? As well, it's, a, it's an easy way to describe cycling. Mm. And Sarah is this amazing personality who is just oh my god, you could write about her for weeks and just and still come up with new angles. Although you know, the, she's a mum, she's a Paralympian, are the ones that kind of seem to get you know are the, are the, are the obvious ones. But there's all sorts of things to say about her. And yeah, I I yeah, I, I'm really happy that. I mean, I, I would love her to win it, of course, but I'm also happy that they're not. It's not like it's an easy thing to hit, and I particularly like this because it kind of sums up what Ellen Van Dyke said. Because, because the other interesting thing is, people go, "Oh, well, Marianne Voss should ride the hour," and it's like mm, this is probably the discipline I think Voss would be least good at out of everything I could think of. Voss and the hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not her. It's not. It doesn't. She, it doesn't stick out as oh yeah, Voss would be great at it. No, it's no. Yeah. It's the opposite. Voss would be. I mean, Voss. Voss, why Voss is such a great rider is she's very, very good at, at, at attacking within a race and then recovering and then attacking again. Um, and and but, also, I mean, I don't think, in, well, obviously we talk about it a lot, but I don't think a lot of other uh, commenters really take into account how much of Voss's ability is tied to her psychological game. She is exceptionally good at assessing other riders where they're at not just physically but also mentally and applying the right kinds of pressure at the right time to really mess with their race plans and and break a race in her favor yeah and and the other thing is is that Voss has got has had I mean she's currently suffering from a hamstring injury so I mean I know people say she's going to be riding Strider Bianchi but I don't think she is um I could be wrong. I mean, it's Voss. She's 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 very good. She she's good at recovery. She's good at holding herself together. But she does have she has had back problems in the past, and she's you know she said herself that ITT and TTT are her least good. I mean, she's very good at a very short ITT, yeah. and her not being very good is like ten, top ten in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, it's it's a different measurement, but still yeah. But yeah, so I don't think. But but on the other hand, your Ellen Van Dyke, your Lisa Brenauer, who both of whom have, have won medals on the track, and who are ITT and who are ITT specialists. Now Ellen and Lisa, those are the people I really want to see go for it. You know, I want to see them. I think they could they could crush it. But Ellen, when people have asked her about it, she said, "Yeah, but the thing is, is I've been looking into it, and you have to train really hard. You have to train really specifically, and you have to have. I mean, you also she didn't say this overtly, but you also have to have a lot of money behind." you to cover it because mm. you know you've basically got to be in that velodrome all the time you've got to have the training the, the, the you've got to get your position just right so she's saying ellen's saying i'm definitely going it's on my list but not until after the olympics yeah absolutely and and she's quite right to point out the money too because one of the things that doesn't get talked about is you know the, the hours basically a specialty ad hoc event like someone and and usually cycling being cycling we're talking leaning on a sponsor here to to fund the fucking thing um, and women's cycling just isn't flush with cash. It's not like BMC can, you know, you know like like can roll up and, and sponsor Rowan Dennis and, and pay for that, and that's great. You know, there really aren't a whole bunch of money lying around in women's teams to go. Yeah, who wants to go for the L? We've got to spend the budget, otherwise we won't get the same next year. 
Yeah, 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 and it's and it's also I think the thing is is some guys will like, oh yeah, but you know it just it only costs three hundred and fifty pounds to hire out the London Velodrome. That's all you'd need. You're like, are you joking? You don't just you don't. Oh yeah. my god. Anyway, so Sarah, massive Luel diamond. She looked absolutely spent, and I think the thing that was really interesting was she knew from the halfway point that she wasn't going to get there. But she still was killing it and killing it and killing it. And actually, she came away the British men's and women's hour record and the International Paralympic C5 category men's and women's hour record. You wow. know, she's like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's she's, she's that damn strong. And I think though, it was interesting watching some of the Paralympic riders who were talking about going for it going, yeah, I've been thinking about doing it myself. But looking at how much pain she's in and how much you have to suffer, I'm maybe, maybe this isn't the best thing yeah, for me to go yeah. for. So... Congratulations, Sarah, because and, and it was literally all over. So someone was going, oh, I haven't seen it much on the news. I'm like, are you joking? I've literally seen it on like BBC Breakfast and you know, in every mag in every single broadsheet and <laughs> every website. It's it's like it was a ma- it was it was a major publicity thing. The only thing is is I'm not sure how yeah, I mean I yeah. I mean, congratulations to her. I said right from the start when I've been ranting about the hour that I'd like to see if if if, if I'm going to see someone go for it, I'd like to see someone like Sarah go for it. Who's you know who's got the who can who can do it? You know, Sarah, Ellen, Lisa. Yeah, someone who can really you know really do it justice. Yeah. Yeah. So Leontine still the hour record holder, apparently on an outdoor bike, maybe in an outdoor velodrome. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on, let's just say it was steel and weighted down as well. Like, add to the mythology, if anything. Yeah, so. oh, that, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Um, what other things have you seen that you've liked recently? Uh, look, the one other thing in particular that I really liked, it just made me laugh, it, it's a little bit a little bit sassy, but I enjoyed the sass because, you know, I like that kind of thing. Uh, some people may have seen that Chris Froome posted on his Facebook and Twitter the other day, um some of the Team Sky guys doing the, the Superman thing on their bike, um, mm-hmm. which you may recall, Sarah, we've discussed previously because, uh, again, showing my Australian bias, Tiff Cromwell does enjoy doing a bit of a Superman on her bike. Um, so Chris tweeted this, and within seconds, Velocio Shram replied with, uh, two hands for Team Sky Beginners, one hand for Tiff Cromwell, with the, <laughs> that photo of Tiff on the, the um, bike path in Qatar doing, doing the Superman with one arm out in front of her. And um, I just enjoyed the sassiness. And also, it's a great moment to remember. Yeah, that was fun. Um, I liked, if you like bike porn, some people do, there's always these big pictures. So if you want to see Sarah Story's bike, and it's very interesting, it's a modified bike because she's obviously, she's only got, she's only got one, she can't grip with one hand. So her bikes are always very specially made. Um, so there's some very nice pictures. I, you know, bike porn, I think it's all right to say bike porn. Um, but yes, if you like bike porn and you like mountain bikes, Pauline Fran Prevost, um, as long as it's uh, respectful and consensual, I think it's fine. So SRAM was sh- well, the bike looked happy. Um, SRAM was showing Pauline Fran Prevost mountain bike with lots of close ups and all those details that you like to see if you like that kind of thing. So, um, we'll put a link to that on our website. Um, yeah, um, and Look- what did you think? And oh, and more on bike cam. I know, I know, I'm sorry, I do like <laughs> onboard cameras. Yeah, someone's um, obsessed. <laughs> I did, I did enjoy, I did love, 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 love seeing the on bike cam from the Track World Championships. And what was really interesting is um, the UCI put out a slightly weird video where it was Anna Mears, Queen Anna Mears. Oh my God, I love you so much. Um, Anna Mears uh, talking about not only having on bike cam 
on her own Kieran, but also watching Francois Pervis, who won the men's Kieran World Champs and won the women's. Um, and they had Anna talking with Francois's ride, which I was a bit, oh God, really? But what I hadn't heard was the interesting thing was the onboard cam mic sound recording. I've always, this is going to sound really stupid, but I've always been in a velodrome and noticed how the sound basically follows the riders around. You know, it's, you're in a wall, you know, it's like this, this Mexican wave of sound going around the velodrome. But of course, the riders are in the eye of that sound storm all the time. And that was really, really interesting. Um, yeah, if you like that, there's also it's the first. It was the first year ever UCI have allowed on bike cameras in track races and world champs. Where better to start? I found it fascinating seeing what it's like you know, in the bunch. And yeah, um, we've also had on bike cam from Annika Beerton's downhill run at Fontana um, downhill mountain biking. And yeah, I'm always going to adore that. So that made me happy. Cool. Look, one other thing, one other thing that I didn't see myself until you pointed it out to me, but was um, Carlton Kirby's article about no, 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 Carlton Reed. Ah, Carlton Reed. Sorry, you're yeah, they're absolutely very right. different people. They're very different Carltons. Uh, I get my Carltons. I was actually thinking of Carlton from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, so that's what I picture. So I'm I'm terrible with my Carltons. Anyway, no. um, Carlton Reed. Um, his his. How can we get more women into cycling? Article. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, he's currently got a um, Kickstarter out for Bike Boom, which is his project that I need to work out what it is. Sorry, Carlton, that's terrible. He's basically he's the executive editor of BikeBiz.com. He's got blogs, roads were not built for cars. He's been very, very interested in the, the – he's basically – if you've ever been in Britain and you've seen a – a conversation about road tax why don't cyclists pay road tax and someone will snap back with there is no such thing as road tax oh my god and carlton reed's article is the um is the best is the place to go to for that and he's got a lot of blogs he's got interesting twitter and he's got a kickstarter out which is which basically um there was a six thousand pound goal he hit eight eight thousand eight hundred quid in um with 14 days to go which is nice um to help him write a book about the resur unexpected resurgence in cycling and as part of the bike boom stuff one of his his blog was called um how can we get more women into the cycling industry mm. and and it's interesting because i think he he addresses two really interesting aspects of it one obviously is um participation rates of, of women actually riding bikes but the other is actually the participation of women in the cycling industry workforce um, and I think both of those are very interesting things. One thing I, I did appreciate um, was that so far he's not trying to, uh, to be a man solving this problem for us. Like he is literally posing this question. And, um, and so he presents some, some interesting data about um, the rates. Obviously, it's UK focused. Um, but, yeah, it's a little open-ended. So I'm curious to see what comes of it. What about you? Yeah, I yeah, I was, I was, I mean, he's had two things. One, he said that Isla Roundtree, who runs Isla, Isla Roundtree is, um, if you talk to Helen Wyman about why she likes cyclocross and stuff, she will just rave and rave about Isla Roundtree, who is a British cyclocross star, and also then set up Isla Bikes. Isla Bikes are specific children's designed bikes. If you have a small child or know a small child and you want to buy them a bike, buy them an Isla Bike because she's awesome. But she was saying that she basically, whenever she puts out adverts, people would come and join her company. It's only men that reply. And Carlton said that when bike companies put out adverts where they don't specify they're a bike company they get women you know responding and then when they find out it's a bike company women just go oh no and walk away 
and I'm interested in that. I mm. think that's, I think it's, I mean, it is interesting because I do a little bit of journalism around the edges and it is interesting that my, my, my perspective is that cycling industry is a very boys club and I don't, I, uh, yeah, I wonder what it is about it. I think there's something about the idea of mammals and Strava. and I mean, Strava is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful tool that I don't want to diss. But, you know, but equally, Strava is all about, you know, who's got the biggest... Um, <laughs> King of the mountain, mountain. yes. Um, yeah, um, yeah. who can get that's... their bike stolen? Who can get the bike stolen in the most interesting way through Strava? <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things he, he um, comments or, or relates to is um, research by Dr. Rachel Aldred, which found that growing cycling levels hasn't been accompanied by greater diversity, which I think is, you know, the other part of it that's very interesting. It's something that, that you've talked about before too, that cycling does seem to have a diversity problem. Yeah, I mean, how it's how it's pictured is just really, I mean, and the other thing that I thought was interesting about Carton's, Carton's piece was that it was um, accompanied by pictures, he basically said stood around London taking pictures of pretty girls on bike. No, sorry, that's not true. That's, that's I, I, I'm really being sarcastic. I don't mean to be because it's a good piece. But he's taking pictures of the type of women who ride in London. Mm. And they're like all, you know, and it's and it's kind of and, you know, kind of just like like three or four women just just wearing ordinary clothes. But one of the things you get about. So in Britain, for years and years and years, there's this really interesting issue that whenever people went to take pictures of kids doing well in their A-levels and GCSEs for the newspapers, they were invariably very posh looking blonde white girls. Yeah. Yeah. And it's similar that when cycling is portrayed in the media, it's 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 people who look who look middle class with lots of money, but you know, very kind of, very kind of, very kind of very white. Yeah. You know, yeah. Very, and it's not, and that's not that doesn't relate to what I see in Bristol. You know, yeah, it well, and to... it's also that thing, you know, and this is what I said to you before we started recording. One of the things I think is tricky about this whole conversation is that people tend to assume a very specific thing when we talk about cycling. Um, and and it is all informed and 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 um, altered by that kind of perception. You know, I mean, I I regularly see articles over here. You know, about cycling's the new golf or the new midlife crisis for wannabe executives and and things like that. All of which just reinforces that really strong stereotype that it's only for a very narrow part of of the population. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't help here that a lot of the articles are all about the war between mm. riders and um, you yeah. know between riders and, and, and motorists and motorists, which is so boring, yeah. so so boring. But you know, the other things are like you know, it, it's it's just not. I don't know. It's just it's just it's just you you kind of end up with this thing where you know whenever someone gets killed on a road, people just start talking about how yeah. it's their own fault, and it's like, yeah, but, I'm not. I mean, like, but, I I can't even the media the media landscape in which we talk about cycling. It's like, well, I I can see why it feels that like it does just doesn't feel like getting on your bike. Cycling and getting on your bike are two different things. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, at risk of being the um, the stereotypical mansplainer, the man who who attempts to solve this issue for everyone, I do have. A radical proposal that I genuinely believe will get more women cycling. Go on. Ban all the cars. <laughs> oh, don't even start. In my city, we've got a um, <laughs> pilot of, of, of driverless vehicles. And it's really, really interesting, the kind of conversations that come up around it already. So, yeah, it's um, it's a fun, it's an interesting time. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, that's, I mean, that. Oh, oh, I should say the other thing is that while Carlton is also writing about 
you know, uh, getting more women into cycling. He's also, as I said, the editor of Bike Biz, and they put out a they put out a call last year for for women, uh, influential women in cycling, and they put up their list recently for as, as part of the London Bike Show. Of um, I can't remember what they called it because I don't have it in my tabs anymore because every time I have lots of tabs open, I get told off by someone. <laughs> well, it slows someone's computer down, and then they complain that things aren't working, yet refuse to close one of their four hundred tabs. So he's never even seen my computer. This is this is the podcast version of a subtweet. <laughs> Hashtag Sarah. <laughs> yeah, so they have um Bike Biz Women of the Year and um which have fifty women involved in the world of cycling. Um obviously it's British based, they've alphabetical ordered it. I recommend you go and see it. Um I am in it. Thank you for people who nominated me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, it's um it's a really interesting thing because it kind of explains that so on the one hand, you know, he's saying how can we get more women into cycling? And on the other hand, he's demonstrating that there are women involved in cycling yeah. at all sorts of levels. So, you know, that's really and that's you know it's everything from people who run bike shops you know bike shop in south yorkshire through to you know um being uh the team sky press officer and stuff like that do you know what i mean and yep, and yep. people like dr rachel aldred who basically are doing really interesting research so it's it's quite a good thing to go and have a look through because there's all sorts of interesting people that i want to know more about or every one of them so yeah so and um, we'll put links to that in our blog Indeed, uh, also um if like me you are very excited about Lesamian, but also Stradabianchi, and you're going to feel like you need to know, you want to know, oh my god, is there video? Um, well, you know, hey, keep an eye on Sarah's Twitter, which is at underscore pigeons underscore and our blog, because as soon as we know if there's fucking video, we'll tell everyone. <laughs> yeah, now, um, I, okay, Stradabianchi, don't expect to see it live. Yeah, it's on the same day of the men's race. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it, the, the chance of being live are very, 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 very small. However, what I will say is it run by RCS, who run uh, Milano Sanremo, Gio d'Italia, Lombardia, um, Tirana Adagiatico, and um, La Gazzetta del Sporto, I think, is part of their um, um, empire. Yep. And they have a really good link to Rice Sport 2. Rice Sport 2, the Italian channel, are very, 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 very good at showing women cycling. They're the people who show us an hour every day of the Giro Rossa. Um, they showed us half an hour of uh, Giro d'Emilia as highlights. And if you are, I mean, you should watch the Strade Bianchi's men's race because I know that it's rare and unusual for men to race bikes. But if, if there's going to be a race where they cut to the women's finish in the middle of the men's race, I'd put my money on this. Don't get your hopes up. Yeah, I'm not and certainly, it's happen. certainly don't expect to see the quality of Dutch-style racing from the men that we get from the women. They're, they're just not as good at it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be... I mean, oh, and just because it's an Italian race, don't you rule out the Dutch-style racing either. I, I would love Elisa Longo-Vilgini to win this. If Elisa won Strada Bianchi, I probably would cry. But equally, there's a hundred other riders I think are going to be fantastic about it. If you want to know more, VeloFocus at VeloFocus.com will have a really good preview. It's not He hasn't finished it yet because he's probably too busy going, oh my God, it's brilliant! <laughs> um, you know, you can't really get a preview out of that. Sorry, Sean. Um, oh my God, it's wonderful. And Jens, yeah, we've got to say a little bit more about it than that. But yeah, we'll be watching it um, 
on it's on TV everywhere. If you go to the Strade Bianchi site, it's basically under Gazetta.it. You can see they've got in English. They tell you about the TV schedule where it's on in different countries and the route and the photos and the teams and the women's race and it's yeah yeah it's exciting. Um, I'm excited about Strade Bianchi. <laughs> I think we all are. And, you know, it, it, we're right to be excited. And on that note, um, I can only thank once again our dear friend Jens uh, for inspiring the theme of this podcast and say we look forward to talking to you again next week. And until then, may you all dream of Dutch style racing. <laughs> Dutch style racing, white dirt roads, onboard bike cameras, um, and everything else. We love you all.